Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Want to relax with curious moments from history? If so, then try the new podcast, Calm History. Each episode is narrated in a calm voice to help you relax or fall asleep. You'll travel back in time to the global history of rubber, Joan of Arc, Henry Ford, the Titanic, Marco Polo, Jackie Robinson, and much more. Just search your podcast player for Calm History or go to silkpodcasts.com. For exclusive podcasts and more, sign up at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. This week's Law & Order Marathon winner is Heather Kirkwood of Crooksville, Ohio. Heather will get a marathon decal showing she watched 26.2 hours of her favorite crime show. To be next week's winner, sign up at lawandorderpodcast.com. I'm Kevin Flynn with Rebecca Lavoie and Sarah Snyder. And these are their stories. You think you know who did it, but you don't know who did it. Law and order, law and order, law and order. It's no ordinary police procedural, baby. It's the FNOG of police procedures, baby. Law and order, law and order, law and order, law and order. These are their stories, these are their stories. Welcome to These Are The Stories, the podcast about Network TV's most enduring crime franchise and the real-life cases that inspired their shows. I'm Kevin Flynn. Each podcast will break down an episode from either Criminal Intent, SVU, or Original Recipe. And today we're looking at Special Victims Unit Season 9, Episode 12, Signature. You're acting like she's a cold-blooded killer when what she did was put one down. She executed a man without benefit of due process. That's not what we do. You don't know her. Neither do you. Joining me to do just that is true crime author and host of Crime Writers On and Netflix's You Can't Make This Up podcasts, Rebecca Lavoie. Hello, Rebecca. I could not be more excited to be here, Kevin. This is one of your favorite episodes, right? One of right? my probably top three. All right, put a pin in it because we have to welcome <laughs> our special guest from the Adulting with ADHD podcast. It's Sarah Snyder. Hello, Sarah. Hello, Kevin. Hello, Rebecca. We're so ha- we're so happy to have you. Rebecca is an adult with ADHD. Hardcore. Woo-hoo. Hardcore. Do you have any advice? You've you've listened to her. Do you have any advice for her? <laughs> oh gosh, I want to know how she does it all. <laughs> One day at a time, yeah. my friend. One day at a time. My only advice for people with ADHD is, what do you have to do today? And that's all you got to worry about. <laughs> oh, yeah. That sums it up right there. Yep. That's it. Yep. So, Sarah, do you have any theories about which characters on Law & Order have ADHD? Oh, gosh. That's such a good question. I, I would say, <laughs> who's who's the guy who ended up being... Um, the lawyer. He started off as a cop and then he became Yes, Carisi. Carisi. That's exactly who I was going to totally. say. 100%. Because he can multitask the fuck out of his life. He's a cop. He's going to law school at night. He's obviously medicated ADHD, right? Oh, obviously, yeah. 100%. Yeah. Superpowers. And he's an uncle. He's carrying, you know, he's, don't you talk about my nieces that way. <laughs> Sarah, of all the franchises, which two cops are your favorite detective team? Favorite law and order detective team. It's cliche, but Benson and Stabler all the way. Yep. Good pick. Mm-hmm. Sorry we gave you half of your choice this evening. It's okay. 
and tell us who is your favorite prosecutorial team. Favorite law and order district attorney prosecutorial team. Oh, gosh. You know, it's I don't know their names. ADHD, obviously. Um, (laughs) We're here to help. It's a safe space. They all just kind of bleed together. (laughs) Yeah. Fair choice. One blonde after another. It's true. It's true. Well, now let's look at the first half of this episode, Special Victims Unit Season 9, Episode 12, Signature. A ranger discovers two bodies in the park. The female victim was strangled, tortured, and waterboarded. And FBI profiler Lauren Cooper says that matches the signature of a serial killer that she's been chasing, the woodsman. <laughs> How's it looking, Melinda? Ugly. Multiple ligatures, bruising, and electrical burns on both areola and labia. Lividity shows the body was turned at least once post-mortem. How long after? Maybe 48 hours. So our killer likes to visit his victims. Cooper believes the male victim stumbled across the woodsman while visiting the body. Benson and Cooper look into missing women. Olivia sees the profiler has trouble dealing with actual people, being both detached and volatile. Their victim is a missing waitress, and the woodsman might already have another captive. Meanwhile, Chester Lake learns the email pointing rangers to the dump site was sent from an internet cafe, but so far there's no luck with the surveillance video. Huang reviews Cooper's profile and finds it's filled with contradictions. He blames her sloppy work on the recent suicide of her mentor, Dr. Carl Tillman. That's when Cragen enters with his usual plot twist. DNA shows the male shooting victim was the woodsman. Larry Moore had been a park ranger. So who killed Moore and where is the captive being held? The investigators find a hidden key in Moore's apartment and a receipt among his belongings suggesting that he owned a storage container near the docks. Inside, Benson, Lake, and Cooper find Moore's many instruments of torture. Hidden in a drawer beneath the bed, Liv discovers a bound and gagged victim barely alive. Well, this just starts with this park ranger yes. and a teen intern who's shadowing him. No, you didn't catch the dialogue? It was bring your foster kid to work day. <laughs> what? Step it up, son. Foster care pays you. That'll make you my dad. True, but I can see you need one. Remember, he gets there and they find the body and the kid just faints. Yes, it was his foster son, Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, what responsible foster father doesn't do that when he just says to the kid, lie on the ground I need it to be quiet when I'm going to radio this in. <laughs> Why did you have to go to help him a little bit? Yeah. Not even a little. It's like, oh, this fucking kid. Those people are already dead, by the way. And he yeah. doesn't even like check to see yeah. if this foster kid is breathing. You can't do anything for them now. <laughs> They're dead. They've actually they've got literal maggots on them. By the way, how many bodies has this guy found? He even has the lingo down. I've got two stiffs near the ramble. <laughs> like, it must happen all the time, right? Code seven. (laughs) (laughs) They call that a Thursday. (laughs) Uh, So if you're wondering where Stabler and Munch are, uh, they're in Montreal to extradite a suspect. 
Really? With Stabler and Finn in Montreal on that extradition, I'll take all the help I can get. Bonjour, hi. I am famous French-Canadian rapist Jean-Claude Gaultier, me. <laughs> I have napped the kid of three women in my Subaru and took them to top of mountain halfway down. <laughs> Inspector Stabler and his friend who is noir says not to use my pigeon encore. <laughs> Merci buckets. Is that a Manchester, New Hampshire French person? It is the Canadian French way, you know. He said, hello, Guy, you <laughs> merd for brains. <laughs> Everybody from Canada right now is calling in the podcast. They they don't know how to use the phone, them. That is the west side of Manchester French-Canadian accent, not the actual <laughs> French-Canadian accent. Hand me across the table my phone. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, they go to the to make this point why we're we not going to see Stabler or Finn. No mention of Munch. Nope. Don't even have to bother. Also, no mention of why this is an SVU case when it's murders. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. That's true. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. I think there was some touching of the VJJ, so it's like, nope. Soul <laughs> victims. Yeah. It's like, tell Briscoe and Green, no, uh, you got to head back to the 2-7. We need the elite unit. <laughs> This elite squad to come and check out the maggots. There was some electrocution of the vagina. You guys are disqualified. You've been disqualified, Green. Yeah, you've been disqualified. <laughs> Only Olivia Benson can do this one. <laughs> God, this episode is so good. Oh, my God. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's a dead person. <laughs> and it's just so funny. It is. It just is. It's not a real dead person, which True. is why you can laugh. And yes. by the way, those magnets are not maggots. They're mealworms, like the kind you buy at a pet store to feed a lizard. I swear to God, that's what they are. America doesn't know. <laughs> but that's what they are. Former pet store employee there. Those are mealworms like you feed a lizard. I swear to God. And I'm not even religious, but that's what they are. Sarah, did you ever buy any maggots? <laughs> no, but mealworms are ringing a bell. Why do I know about <laughs> mealworms? <laughs> I, are you the woodsman? <laughs> the woods person. Woods person. But, Thank, you. Way, I gotta, Thank you. I gotta say, I gotta say, the woodsman. That's a pretty basic name for a serial killer, right? The it's woodsman. Almost, it's almost like they knew who he was. But yeah. They named him. Yeah. By the way, all the serial killers dump their bodies in the woods. It's kind of their thing. They can all be the woodsmen. They're all the woodsmen. The Zodiac, the woodsmen. The woodsmen. <laughs> yeah. They're all the woodsmen. Yeah. Like every killer in New Jersey could be like the Meadowlandsmen. <laughs> the Meadowlandsmen. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Okay, so there are two possible victims. One is an exotic dancer named Bunny Jones. She was reported missing by someone named Lavender. <laughs> you Lavender? It's Lavender. Do I look like a damn flower to you? Oh, my gosh. Lavender. <laughs> no, that's Lavender. Yes. Who's wearing Lavender? What do I look like? A flower? Yes. <laughs> Lavander, you <Literally>. do. <laughs> Can I ask a question? Yeah. Do you remember, and I don't know if you actually listened to our stupid show, Sarah, but there was another scene in another episode we did in a strip club that was also done up as a Hawaiian. A tiki like, <laughs> Polynesian. Yeah. This, I swear to God, is the same set. Because it could in, be. In this strip club, there's like a little hut with a roof. And I was just I, like, I swear to God, this is the Polynesian yeah. like strip club. Sarah, did you catch the name of the strip club? No, I didn't. 
It's the Golden Globes. <laughs> oh, I did. The, the graphic had like two Golden Globes lighting yes. up. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> they were trying to telepathically win that award. Yeah. Tell tell the Hollywood foreign press, you know, for your consideration. Yeah. Uh, by the way, whenever they go into a strip club in the background, there are all these dancers with no tops on, but facing the wall so no one can see. Yes. Including any of the patrons. Fun fact. Yeah. It, New York is not a topless state. So they wear pasties in New York anyway. Uh-huh. So they could just show them. Oh, I, <laughs> you know it's going to be on USA at three in the afternoon eventually. That's true. But, but they could just have them be wearing bras or something. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So we always have to find like some actress and say, this is what it's going to be. The casting director is always like, okay, good news, bad news. <laughs> you get to look at a stripper, but she's going to be facing the other way. Gonna, yeah, don't worry. No one's going to actually see them. But, yeah. you know, yeah. as long as your back looks good. And, you know, it's like she's dancing. I mean, think about it in real life. If she were dancing, no one can see anything. Why would Lavander think that Liv and this super stiff-looking FBI agent would be interested in a private dance? Like, what were they saying? They weren't signaling what that. What was he trying to say? I know. I was wondering that, too. They weren't signaling that in any way. Not in any way. They weren't dressed for it. They didn't seem game. Like She's like, is this because I'm a lesbian? <laughs> is this because I'm a lesbian? No, she's not, not a lesbian. So the other possible victim is this waitress whose hobby is to go to Central Park and forage for edible mushrooms mm. that 7,000 dogs have pissed on. <laughs> and that that guy has found like 18 bodies on top of, apparently. Yeah, oh gosh. Well, that's where the flavor comes from, right, Sarah? <laughs> yeah. The mealworms. <laughs> so let's start with our Hey, It's That Girl. Hey, It's That Girl. Who is the actress playing Special Agent Lauren Cooper? Don't you think I know what's at stake? I didn't notice anything wrong. If I had, I would have stopped him from killing himself. He was my mentor and I didn't see it coming. Erica Christensen. Erica Christensen. Yeah, she played the drug-addicted daughter of the White House drug czar in the movie Traffic and played Madison, the bad bitch, from one of Rebecca's favorite movies, Swim Fan. It's my favorite bad movie of the early 2000s. Period, in which she plays pretty much exactly the same character she's playing in this episode of SVU. I love it. Love swim fans so much. Yeah, she also played Julia for six seasons on the NBC drama comedy Parenthood. By the way, you can see her this week on Celebrity Family Feud. What? Yeah, what? she's on Celebrity Family Feud. That's a real upgrade. That's swim an upgrade. Fan. <laughs> well, she's in like in the second, like in the first half of the of the the hour long show. It's the the cast of Hacks. Yeah. Versus the cast of oh. shoot, I forget something else. Something that. And then it's her family, or I don't know. Whatever show she's on. She's a Scientologist. Whoa. And no, yeah, when no. she got that role in traffic as oh, a drug addicted no. person, she consulted with the Scientology Drug Rehab Center. Is she still a Scientologist? I think so. Well, how oh. else do you get on Family Feud? No. Uh, <laughs> by the way, she got her first break as a kid. In the Michael Jackson video for the song Childhood. Uh, Are you familiar with this at all? No. Yeah, this is the uh, the song where, uh, in the video, she is one of a dozen kids in flying sailboats, gently floating through the night sky, seemingly unaware of their final destination. <laughs> Which, of course, is Bubbles in Neverland, right? Oh, my God. Uh, not good. Not good. I'm still not over the Scientology part. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So do you know who ADA Lydia Ramon is? 
ADA. No, I did not clock that. Executive ADA Lydia Ramos for the people will be dismissing the charges without prejudice. Well, that's Priscilla Lopez, mother to Jennifer Lopez <gasps> in the movie Made in Manhattan. Oh, not really, mother. No, Manhattan. they just have the same last oh, name. I thought that would have been she was, so wild. <laughs> yeah, she's also the mom on CBS's Be Positive, which I don't think is on the air anymore. We do have some repeat offenders. Repeat offender. There's John Shuck back as Chief of D's, which is a horrible title to have. What do we got for evidence, Don? He was painless, the suicidal dentist in MASH. We also have Patricia Collenberg again as Judge Tayton. So ordered. You're free to go. And we have, again, Roscoe Orman as the park worker who finds the bodies. Stay back, Max. Don't come back here. Damn it, Max. Roscoe is famous for being... Gordon on Sesame Street. Yes. (laughs) I've met him. What? You met Gordon? Was it on Sesame Street? In the 80s when I Uh was little, my my mom took me to meet him. Oh. And so I immediately recognized him. I said, that's Gordon. And it's not even listed on IMDb, this episode. (laughs) I looked, I waited till the end and saw the credits and yep, it's Gordon. Yeah. By the way, Gordon got to say, damn it on television. Yeah. Wow. It's like the time Bob said motherfucker. It was. Yes. On the Sopranos. No, Bob wasn't on the Sopranos. Don't at me, people. He also got to yell at a foster child. A foster child. (laughs) Yeah, that was pretty pretty awesome. Children suck. Kids all. Do you remember the time that Steve from Blue's Clues was on Homicide? Yeah. By the way, he's the killer, and they're going to interrogate him. This is a 10 o'clock on Friday show. So they're interrogating him. It's like 1045 Eastern time. Why the fuck are your kids awake? <laughs> it's your own fault. Don't cry about Steve. It wasn't Steve. the kids. It was the moms. The, the moms, moms were beside themselves. Are you yeah. serious? I don't know. Yeah. yeah, it was a whole thing. I'm oh like, how God. am I going to rub one out to Steve? I already know. <laughs> Right. Poor Sarah. She, just, she thought she was coming on the podcast to talk about an episode of SVU. Yeah. About a serial it's, killer. It's fine. <laughs> so we have a Hey, It's That Guy. Hey, it's that guy. Who's playing Agent Tom Nickerson, the guy who comes in for, during the interrogation? Detective Benson, have you been questioning Agent Cooper in my absence? That's Frankie Faison. He was the police commissioner in The Wire. He was also Dennis Leary's partner in Rebecca's other favorite movie, The Thomas Crown Affair. That was Frankie Faison? Yeah. That must have been when I was looking at my phone because I did not recognize him. Yeah. But he is not related to Donald Faison from Scrubs. But people ask him that and he says, yes, he owes me money. Mm. Lastly, who is the actress playing Amy Doe, the victim rescued from the torture chamber? Drawer lady? The drawer lady. Anyone know? No. No. But she was good. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, yeah, totally. Well, that's Amanda Lee Cobb. Uh, she doesn't have a lot of TV credits, but she has bit parts in Chicago Med and Scandal. She's mostly known for her work as a narrator of audiobooks. Really? I've yes. probably listened to a hundred of them, right? Well, I don't know. She's established in two subgenres of romance books. Nope. So she does magic fantasy titles Ooh. like Court of Shadows, The Viking Sacrifice, Ooh. and Brass and Bone. Mm. And she's also doing A Curvy Girl's Guide to Love. Good for her. Yeah. Now, I mean, it's great to be body positive. And those books include titles like Countess Curvy, yep. 
Boss likes curves. Yeah. And Curvy's CAD. Yeah. It should surprise no one whatsoever that the women on the covers of these books have no curves whatsoever. <laughs> so later they're going to bring in Huang. Bring in Huang. He's on <laughs> Remember, Cooper is an FBI profiler living and working in New York. And Huang, who is also an FBI profiler living and working in New York, has no idea who this bitch is. <laughs> Missing from profile, no witnesses to any abductions suggest thorough surveillance of victims, as well as their habits and daily routines. Contradiction to profile. Email sent through several ISP locations to notes the proficiency in computer networking and electronics and superior intelligence. Of course, his first instinct, Sarah, is to look at her work and say, yeah, she sucks. Yeah, man, he was I have never seen him so sassy. I mean, he was like, you know, it was brutal. Missing from profile, <laughs> missing from profile, contradiction to profile. I actually really liked it. Yeah. Like, what I love about this episode, for me personally, mm. is that A, I have to suspend belief to believe one profile, right? Right. And then I have to suspend disbelief again to believe Wong's unraveling of that profile with his other bullshit profile. <laughs> I'm like, cool, guys, cool. And then because they both end up being completely wrong That's right. <laughs> which completely validates me in so many ways i just i let's i love everything about it i love everything about it yeah missing from profile nothing that smells like bullshit <laughs> <laughs> missing from profile it's that dude right there That's right. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, cooper completely fits into svu though they go to see warner and <laughs> And she lists all the victims' injur injuries. Multiple ligatures, contact burns and contusions, uterus punctured by a foreign object, colon punctured by a foreign object. I don't think we need to hear anymore. I've heard enough. <laughs> no further insight required. Thank you, madame. You have literally one job, and that's to listen to the Emmy. <laughs> that's right. It's like everybody on SVU. I can't watch any more of this video. I've seen enough. I speak for the dead and I'm not done. Wanda. I speak for the dead and I not am not done. done. Yeah. <laughs> I'm here to chew bubblegum and speak for the dead and I'm all out of bubblegum. <laughs> she was also in rare form. I haven't seen her this sassy in a long time. Well, she's dealing with all those millworms or whatever they called. Yeah, <laughs> the uh, <laughs> millworms. Yeah. She's going to pull them out and feed them to the... Uh, lizards. Yeah. <laughs> the Chilean chuck wall is neither dinner. <laughs> yeah, so I'm thinking about this that they later find out that the woodsman is a guy named Larry Moore, and that when they dig into his past, they find out that Moore became a park ranger yep. because as a kid he was in a program that paired him with an adult ranger. Isn't that what Gordon from Sesame Street was doing <laughs> with that kid? Was he grooming the next serial killer? It's a pyramid scheme. It is. It's like, you're now the woods boy. An MLM. It's an MLM. Yes, that's right. All you have to do is buy all these torture implements and then get five of your friends to also purchase the torture implements. Yeah. By the way, as, as law enforcement, they're going on a big assumption that the woodsman has kidnapped somebody and is holding a future yes. victim. 
There's no real evidence of that. When like, do they ask? We have to rush around and find this fake woman. Sarah, don't you find yourself thinking like, did I miss something? Like, why do we think there's somebody out there? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it took me a while to kind of figure out what was going on there. Well, the, the, on the big screen, they had, you know, the, the big PowerPoint, they had like two timelines. And mm-hmm. like, oh, wow, they did that before. So there's obviously. There must be someone yeah, else. It's a pyramid scheme of yeah. a victim. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yep. And so they finally make it to Moore's old storage unit filled with Dr. Mengele's torture equipment. And there's a video that he took there of a victim being shocked in a bathtub. So this apartment-sized unit has commercial-rated electricity and running water for a bathtub? Could this be where Munch is spending his day off? Mm. An apartment there? And then why show your victim a video and then stuff her in a drawer when she can't actually watch the video? Yeah, she can just hear it. (laughs) Here's a video of you screaming over and over again. That must be unsettling. Audio would be fine. Yeah. A podcast would have sufficed. (laughs) Okay. And by the way, headphones would have also been fine because she was tied up. And not risk like other people outside the storage unit hearing the thing. Yeah, yeah. If he really wanted to torture her, why don't you just make her listen to one of her audiobooks? That's true. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, why padlock the woman in the unit and then also hide her in a drawer? It's kind of like putting a hat on a hat. <laughs> Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. All right, now let's take a look at the second half of this episode. The detectives get the victim Amy to the hospital, but she's in bad shape. The cuts, contusions, and electrical burns cause septic shock. Decreased blood flow necrosed her fingertips and toes. What is this bruise? This wasn't here when we found her. That's purpura. Uh, her blood is clotting abnormally because of infection. She's got abscesses that I'd like to drain surgically, but in her condition, she'd never make it. Olivia wants to identify her and notify Amy's family, but Cooper is again overcome with emotion dealing with real-world victims. Hoping to get a lead on the woodsman's killer, Lake reviews more videotape and sees Agent Cooper leaving the Internet Cafe moments (gasps) after that email had been sent. Craig and Novak tell Benson that Cooper is now the prime suspect in Moore's murder. After Lake discovers the bullet casing from the fatal shot in Cooper's apartment, Benson cuffs her. Novak wants to go for murder one, but now the brass at the department and the bosses at the DA's office move to drop the charges against Cooper, unless they can find evidence that will convince a jury to convict someone who took out a serial killer. Casey says if they get the murder weapon, she could force Cooper into taking a plea. 
Olivia and Chester suspect the missing gun may have belonged to Dr. Tillman, Cooper's mentor who committed suicide after being tormented by the case. They go to Cooper's apartment and find her waiting with her service weapon and badge on the table. She tells Benson and Lake that jail was too good for Moore. At gunpoint, he still refused to give up Amy's location, but she shot him anyway. She then sent the email about the bodies because she needed more help with the case. Liv says the DA is willing to make a deal with her, but instead, Cooper pulls a gun that she's hidden in her waistband and shoots herself in the head. Okay, so there's a scene where Chester Lake and Craig and talk about their feelings on whoever killed the woodsman. But when I find this hero, I'm going to give the guy a medal. Well, in case you've forgotten, Detective, homicide is against the law no matter who the victim was. No disrespect, Captain, but the prick got what was coming to him. And I'd rather have the woodsman alive to answer questions, lead us to bodies, bring closure to grieving families. By the way, this is foreshadowing of what is going to happen with Lake. As you know, he is a Mohawk Nation rare book collector and former MMA fighter known as Naptime. Most interesting character. Uh, yeah, he's going to exit the show at the end of this season when he murders a killer from one of his cold cases who was acquitted of the crime. By the way, this has been a theme throughout SVU, even starting in episode, uh, season one, which is, don't you want to kill these monsters who rape and murder? We've seen this before, right? Yeah. It's real dumb. It's dumb. <laughs> but Sarah, I mean, 500 episodes, right? They'd have to at some point start asking these characters, man, don't you want to take it out on them? Because we know Stabler does. Oh, because he has daughters. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, obviously. It's so dumb. It's so dumb. Because the one thing that they, they just don't take into account is that for these people, it is their job. Mm -hmm. It's their job. Like, it's their job. Yeah. Well, it's easier to do when you say, I'm, I've seen enough. I've seen enough of it's, that video. It's their job. Yeah. And they do not want to murder the murderers. That is not a thing. What they want to do is, is commit misconduct to, like, solve the case as quickly as possible so they can just go home. They want to plant some evidence, get the W, and go home. Right. Like, they do not want to actually murder the person who did the thing. You know? That's what they want to do. Yeah. So uh, what really comes out of this brief scene is that Lake has spent the day reviewing surveillance video from outside the Internet Cafe when he spots Cooper. Captain, I think we just stepped in a very big pile. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. He says, yeah. The best. It's the best. It's like a still shot. Yeah. Like from the born identity. Yes. <laughs> He's like, here she is leaving the cafe five minutes after this email was sent. This video review should have taken five minutes. Yep. Did he rewind it to Thursday? Yep. It's like, uh, how about we just go to when the email is and we just watch afterwards? Yeah, exactly. And he turns his head and that's when Cooper walks out is when he's not even <laughs> looking at the computer screen. That's right. When he's talking with Craig and he's looking at it, he's not even watching this, the thing. It's wild. It's so dumb. It's the best. It's, this is one of the reasons. Another, another reason why this is the best. Also because like Cooper is ostensibly... This like genius FBI profiler mm -hmm. who does a real stupid thing that gets her caught. Like she knows like. Oh, she had triangulating uh, uh, IPs and ISPs. Yes. And, and then BSs walked out and, yeah. where there were 18 cameras outside the cafe. <laughs> That's why she had sunglasses on. <laughs> like, oh, my God, the Unabomber sent that email. I was just sending an email to my favorite high school swimmer. It was not. Oh, not my that. God. <laughs> 
So in the end, it leads Benson and Lake back to Cooper's apartment, where they find her waiting for them. Yep, guess I'm going to jail. Proud of yourself? I would have been proud to help you call her the bastard who murdered 24 women. That would have satisfied me. That wasn't good enough. Why not? You know why. How many dead babies have you stood over? How many rape victims? You can't tell me you never wanted to put your gun under the bastard's chin who raped a two-year-old. I have too much to lose. I don't. By the way, how long was she sitting there just waiting for them to come in? She's at some folding table that's way too big for her apartment that she shouldn't be owning. Yep. Just sitting there waiting for them to come in, Mm -hmm. all James Bond villain style. Forever. Forever. DoorDash came. (laughs) She's like, I can't leave any minute. I just imagine she was just like every few minutes, like reaching out and neatly lining up that badge and that gun again. (laughs) And then every couple minutes reaching her hands out again and neatly lining up that badge and that gun again. So it's not ADHD. It's it's uh, OCD. And every every few minutes reaching out and lining up that badge and that gun again. She's like, I don't know. I think maybe the gun should be on the right hand side. (laughs) Whatever. Yeah, exactly. Should I turn it so that the handle is facing away? It is the most telegraphed hidden gun situation I have ever seen on television. Yeah. So Cooper used Tillman's gun to shoot more. Yeah. Liv confiscated her duty weapon and then she pulled out another weapon. So she had three guns? Nobody knew she had three guns. We don't know that that is not actually Tillman's gun that she used to kill herself. We don't know that. Oh, no. Well... She's, she just no, no, no. says... She said... She's, no, you're, you're mistaken. She says She said she took she Tillman's sca- gun and scattered it all okay, over. She said She that. said Tillman's gun is the murder weapon. Okay, it was literally, Kevin, she said that? Are you saying she's a liar? <laughs> I'm saying, we don't know, Kevin. <laughs> oh, so maybe she only has two guns? I'm just saying... I'm saying you'll never you gonna, find that gun. Are we just going to believe the words of somebody who lied about killing a serial killer and then just pretended she was a regular FBI agent? If you want to believe that, Kevin, that's on you. I'm just saying that could have been Tillman's gun as well. Let the evidence leads where it leads. Yeah. (laughs) By the way, before taking her own life, she quotes Nietzsche. Those who fight monsters should make damn sure they don't become one. Uh, It should surprise no one that that's not the quote. Uh, I mean, it's difficult because it is translated from German, but it's generally written as whoever fights monsters should see to it that in the process, he does not become a monster. Mm. Ah, it's not that bad. Yeah, I know. It's still it's still a couple years before Google and and the writers could actually take seven seconds to fucking check that. Yeah. Yeah. But she's not good with people. So I'm curious why um, Rebecca really liked this episode. Is it because of the profiling thing? Being debunked. That's a great question. Why did you like this episode? Because it's fucking bananas. <laughs> it's a little bananas. All right. So I love it because the minute, the minute Erica Christensen as the FBI agent comes on the screen, you know she did it. Like <laughs> it's not even like a little bit like you don't know. So there's you didn't an- think it was Gordon from Sesame Street. So there's another like series of episodes with an FBI agent played by Marsha Gay Harden, mm-hmm. and then there's a later twist where she turns out to be the killer. Right? My DNA may be there because I was at the crime scene and I was at the morgue. And cross contamination is the bane of forensics across the country. And that's like, oh, shit, because she had been in an earlier episode where she actually, like, was the good guy. Yeah. This one, it was like Erica Christensen, from the moment she comes in the screen, she's just a psychopath. She's never not a psychopath the entire episode. And, like, it's like, it's just right there in front of us. 
the whole time. And there's all this other banana stuff. The strip club scene is bananas. Lavender, <laughs> bananas. <laughs> Lavander wearing lavender. <laughs> and there's so many things that are just stolen from other things. Yeah. Like the storage unit thing. Like there's just so many tropes and scenes. And it's just like every serial killer movie you have ever seen, they have cribbed a scene from for this episode. And I... I'm here for it. I just love it. It's not an SVU case. Also, there is a super dumb thing that happens at the end where <laughs> talking about telegraphing Lake's fate. So Liv says to uh, Lauren, mm-hmm. if you just say everything that happened, like the DA will go easy on you because you killed a killer. Mm-hmm. And there's a long lingering shot on Lake. And you can it looks like he's thinking like, will he also go easy on me? <laughs> <laughs> I think he's looking and he said, that's funny. Dick Wolf wants to have a meeting with me after this. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. All right, let's take a look at the real-life story that inspired this episode. It's time for Rip from the Headlines. You think you know who did you it. You think you know who did it. But you don't know who did it. You don't know who did it. Rip from the Headlines. Plot points for this episode come from the case of Todd Allen Reed, also known as the Forest Park Killer. <laughs> in the spring of 1999, three different women were murdered in Portland, Oregon. They were all homeless and lived on the same street. Their nude bodies were found strangled and dumped within the same vicinity in Forest Park. Police recovered a used condom near one of the victims. Investigators noted the women all resembled one another. They sent in an undercover officer who seemed to fit the killer's type. One night, Reed approached the decoy and although nothing happened, police began surveilling him around the clock. Cops learned Reed had served time for attempting to rape and strangle a woman a decade earlier. They matched the DNA from the first case to evidence from the dump sites, then nicked him for the three murders. They also suspected him in two unsolved strangulations of teenagers he knew in the 1980s, but couldn't prove it. In 2001, Reed took a plea deal to avoid the death penalty and received three life sentences. In 2020, Todd Allen Reed's name was removed from the state's online inmate list. Though officials will not confirm it, it's believed Reed died in prison. Talking about the Forest Park killer, I think, Sarah, did you think that perhaps there was a different rip from the headlines case for this? Yeah, yeah. What did you think? I thought it was the Toy Box Killer. (laughs) Those are still two better names than the Woodsman. Yes. What happened in the Toy Box case? I I couldn't believe it. Okay. Oh, my God. It was really graphic. Are you familiar with this case at all? No. No. Tell us. Yeah. So I mean, we know plot points were inspired by uh, the Forest Park Killer, but there's other things here that kind of match the episode. Yeah. So what what I read was it was based on the Toy Box Killer and the Toy Box Killer. I don't remember where it was, but it was probably the early 2000s. So it would have been around the same time the episode was made. 
this guy had tortured um, quite a few women, but the part that really stuck out to me was he had a, a girlfriend involved who was participating, and then they referred to other accomplices throughout the story. And I'm thinking, how many people could possibly want to get together and and torture somebody like this? And then it, it came out that his daughter was an accomplice too. Like they just had wow. like a whole club of people. This is before QAnon. Um, yeah, yeah <laughs> before QAnon. Wow. But they did say, I think um, he, he made um, this homemade electric bath, whatever you call that thing. And, oh, um, he called it a toy box or his little torture place. They, he called it a toy box. Oh, oh yeah. So that's so maybe like the scene of the killings was based on that. Yeah. So I will say when I first heard side talking, I did burst out laughing, not because of the crime, but because of the name. So Forest Park, I didn't realize it was a place. Mm-hmm. I heard just heard the Forest Park Killer, and I'm like, that name is just as fucking stupid as the woodsman. <laughs> it's like woodsman. It's like the exact. And then, same. Yeah. then I was like, it's Forest with the capital F. But then named yeah. by the place Forest Park, I'm like, yeah. okay, well at least that makes sense. It does. So like, yeah. but this the woodsman. Yeah. So uh, Todd Allen Reed uh, had been in a sex offender treatment program, but was kicked out two weeks before being arrested. Hmm. Any theories about what he might have been doing with that time on his hands? Mm. Killing people? Killing people, yes. yes. If you're not going to go to your sex offender program, you're probably being a sex offender program. Oh, I mean, you don't go to AA meetings when you're drinking like you're trying to leave Las Vegas, right? True, true. Oh, my God. This is terrible. What a terrible case. So they took him off the uh, the website for the prison uh, I do think it's weird that the government will not say whether or not this guy is dead or alive. That is weird. Yeah. Sarah, do you think that maybe they transferred him like on the TV show Blacklist and now he's running some covert operations to find other serial killers? Nah. Nah. nah to, nah, no, no. Isn't it public information whether or not he's dead or alive? Uh, I don't know. I guess you got to go find a death certificate. I mean, if anyone we... cares enough. Yeah. I mean, we're journalists. We could just like submit a FOIA, couldn't we? Why the fuck would we want to do that for this stupid show? We don't actually want to do that. <laughs> it is weird, though, that like they just won't say yes. Yeah. He died. What is the big deal? Yeah. What is the big deal? It's not like he's in a timeshare or something like maybe that. Maybe he died of like maybe. He, I mean, it's 2020. Like yeah. he, he could have died of COVID. Maybe they're trying to like suppress their COVID numbers or something. Oh, yeah, it could be. Yeah. I don't know. That's, That's very yeah. strange. It'd be shame if a serial killer died from COVID. It would be very, very sad. Yes. Just don't, just don't let Chester Lake know that. Oh my God. So you know how big this park is that Forest they dumped park? Forest Park that they dumped bodies and you know people found the bodies later. In 2004, a 53 year old man named Frank and his 12 year old daughter Ruth were discovered to be living off the grid in the park. They had been there for four years, completely undetected. What? Yeah. Their story was the inspiration for the movie Leave No Trace. What? They had sleeping bags, a vegetable garden, a rope swing, and a set of world book encyclopedias with which he taught her. Were they happy? Apparently, yeah, they actually really were. He was a a homeless Vietnam vet living on disability. He didn't want to live on the street. Uh, and he knew like that would mean he'd be separated from his daughter too. So they went to the park, and that's where they stayed. She was in excellent shape, no cavities, extremely high reading level. She was twelve, but she was reading at a high school senior level. 
and they were very close to one another in a what all the experts said was a a positive, loving, nurturing relationship. The thing that they didn't want was to be separated from one another, right? Yeah. And uh, after that, and I don't know why they never released their last names, but they moved them into a mobile home. Yeah. Which is small and quaint and stuff, but where they could still be a together. A tiny house. A tiny house. Yeah. And they were discovered by two joggers. Just we like, just happened to like, oh, we're going to see if we can cut a path here. Like the beginning of an SVU right. episode. Exactly like the beginning of an SVU episode. Like Gordon? Yeah. <laughs> don't pass out. <laughs> like, Gordon, who's that? I don't, even, I don't have TV. <laughs> so they were there early. That's incredible. Yeah. They were there in the early 2000s for four years. That That's means- actually an incredible story. I actually want to hear. This could be a whole podcast. That's incredible. Well, like I said, it's it based, there was a, a fictional book kind of inspired by it. In any event, they were there for four years. So that means that they missed 9-11, hmm. the Columbia Space Shuttle exploding, the curse of the Bambino, hmm. and they missed William Hung singing She Banks. <laughs> well, that is going to do it for us. We want to thank our guest, Sarah Snyder. Sarah, where can our listeners follow you online? They can find me on Twitter with the handle ADHD Adulting. And Rebecca Lavoie, how can our listeners follow you? Well, um, uh... Hold on, my ADHD meds have just wore off. But <laughs> if they want to follow me online, they can follow me at Reb Lavoy on Twitter or Instagram. And of course, they can listen to Crime Writers on. And you can track me on Twitter at Kevin P. Flynn. And you also can tweet to us at Law and Order Pod or follow us on Instagram at These Are Their Stories Podcast. Our newsreader was Cy Freighter. Our theme music was composed and performed by Uncanny Valleys. Content assistance from Travis Roy. Lily Flynn handles promotions. To get ad-free episodes of These Are Their Stories a week early, sign up for Stitcher Premium. All clips in this podcast were used in compliance with the U.S. Copyrights Act Fair Use Exemption for criticism and commentary. Go to lawandorderpodcast.com and sign up for our newsletter for a chance to be our next Law & Order Marathon winner. These Are Their Stories was recorded in the yoga loft above the bodega in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi studio and is a production of Partners in Crime Media. Partners in Crime Media. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.